right to you. Lift your hands and let's pray for him right now. Our Father, in Jesus' name, oh, we love you. We magnify you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness and mercy. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you so much for coming tonight. It's a Monday night with good crowd here. And uh, uh, we're just, and God can do marvelous things in our midst if we let him. Well, it's wonderful to be here with you all again this evening, and I uh, got a good crowd out here for Monday night, kind of impromptu-like service, but uh, I pray the Lord will help us. Thank you so much for your giving. May the Lord richly bless you for that, and uh, so thankful to uh, uh, be back here again. I didn't anticipate on us having church tonight. I thought after last night, just driving the car, go back home. And, uh, but uh, the Lord works sometimes in mysterious ways. And so here we are tonight. But the Lord's here tonight too. The Lord's here tonight too. I love what Brother James was exhorting us to do. It's time for the church to fight back. How many ever listened to that message that Brother L.D. Moore preached years ago on fighting back? Fight back. Preached that at Brother Collins's and maybe a few other places. That was a tremendous message. I listened to it just this past week. And um, it is time for the church to fight back, no doubt about it. This evening, I'd like us to go to the book of Psalms, chapter number 42, familiar reading. And I'll do my best not to be lengthy. I apologize for being a little bit lengthy last night. Um, I, I know that uh, you're a working church, and you've got to get up early in the morning. And I will try to do the best with the time allotted to me and not uh, go too lengthy. But let's, let's have an altar around here tonight, all right? Psalms chapter number 42, Psalms chapter number 42, and I'd like the Lord to help us. I really need God to help me tonight, and I need you to help me as well. It makes the preaching a whole lot easier. It really does. 42 and 1 of Psalms, listen to what the psalmist says. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me. You know, your tears can talk to you. They continually say unto me, where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God. With the voice of joy and praise. With a multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God. Hope thou in God. Can we read that together? Hope thou in God. Hope thou in God. Notice this man's tune begins to change whenever he says those words, Hope thou in God. For I shall yet... Praise Him for the help of His countenance. I want to preach to us this evening from that fifth verse. 
Why art thou cast down? Why art thou cast down? May God add his blessings to the reading of his word. I feel like that tonight this topic that I feel like that God dealt with me about yesterday evening whenever we left the service is something that I've never really heard preached on much, but um, I hope that I can make some remarks about this tonight and encourage you the best I can. Uh, confusion is a terrible thing, isn't it? How many in this building tonight would be honest with yourself and before God that there has been a time in your life when you have been confused? We've all missed it at some point or another and we become bewildered. We have a thought in our mind that might not be accurate or correct and then whenever we, we see things that we think they should be one way and then they're not, sometimes throws us into that terrible state of confusion. We've all been there before whenever, whenever we make a wrong turn or, 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 or go in the wrong direction in our lives. And sometimes that leaves us in a confused state. Or perhaps for those of us that's here that's been faithful to God and faithful to His work and and, and, and serve God to the best of our abilities, even those people become confused at certain points in their Christian experience. I think whenever confusion happens to all of us, and it, it will come to us at some point or another, especially for new believers, this is a hard one to get over. Confusion is a tough one to tackle because we don't like being confused. How many knows we like being right, don't we? Husbands, you like being right, and your wife tells you, no, I'm right. Ain't that the way it works? Listen to this. The Bible said in 1 Corinthians 14 and 33, God is not the author of confusion. It is not the will of God for you to be confused tonight in your mind. It's not the will of God. It is not the will of God for you to stay in a point of contention and inward fighting in yourself where you stay in this confused mindset. You say, I've got to try to work things out because I'm just a little confused right now. God is not the author of confusion. Even though God is not the author of confusion, and, 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 and I think that there have been people that have did their best in are in the will of God, they become overwhelmed with the fact that sometimes God is silent for a spell or two. Sometimes God does not, does, does not respond to our prayers the moment that we ask Him to give us that response. It's like that old statement goes, the teacher is always quiet during the test. It seems like that it's in those quiet times that we're reading about in Psalms 42 that that state of confusion settles into our soul and it casts our soul down. Like you would throw down a rock on the ground. Like you would pick up that, of something that had little, little to no value and cast it, throw it down to the ground. That's the way this writer feels here in this psalm. Confusion, the terrible devil that we all face. Listen to what one Nazi in 1940 Germany one Nazi officer said, he said, What is important is to spread confusion 
not eliminated. Because in confusion, we can dominate. The most confused you will ever get is when you try to convince your heart and spirit of something your mind knows to be a lie. Let me say that again. The most confused you will ever get is when you try to convince your heart and spirit of something your mind knows to be a lie. One of the greatest tragedies in life is to lose your sense of individuality. And how many knows that 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 God created us to be individuals, to be ourselves. There's been a many of good preacher that that had a good mind and had a good work ethic and had a good prayer ethic, but they tried to copy another preacher. Be the best person you can be. Be the best preacher you can be because God made one of you. We don't need another one of them. It's good preaching anyway. It's good preaching. The greatest tragedy in life, though, is whenever we lose our sense of individuality and try to accept the version of what everyone else expects us to be. It's hard to be somebody that you ain't. It's difficult to live your days out with someone else at the controls of your life. And you not ever being able to come to grips with yourself trying to do your best to please other people. Brother and sister, if that's you here under the sound of my voice, you are confused. Let me talk on. I love what what this, this one author says here about God. He said, God is not the author of confusion but he is a God of deliberate actions. God does things deliberately. He's not confused about anything at all. If you want to see a picture of confusion, tune in to a Dr. Fauci press conference. Confused. Listen to the WHO, the Worldwide Health Organization. I'm kind of glad Trump wanted to defund those guys myself. Is this on record tonight? Good, it's on record. Worldwide Health Organization tried to scare us to death over this COVID business. And I'm not here tonight to elaborate on that. I'm just telling you, if you want to see a confused state, look around in this world. We are as confused as can be. Brother Steve was exactly right what he read a few moments ago. Had what, two or three zeros in there? Point zero zero. Point zero zero one percent of a chance. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, uh, the, the governor of Kentucky here a while back said the most dangerous place for people to be at was in a church service. Well, come and go with me to my father's house. To my father's house. To my father's house. Come and go with me to my father's house where there's peace. Peace, peace. You know what Governor Northam needs to do and Governor Bashir needs to do? 
There's healing over here in my Father's house. In my Father's house. Yes, in my Father's house. There's healing over here in my Father's house. Where there's peace, peace. Oh, there's deliverance over here in my Father's house. Yes, in my Father's house. Oh, in my Father's house. There's deliverance over here. Oh, in my Father's house. And there's peace, peace, peace. This is the safest place to be at. I want you to know tonight there is deliverance from your confusion. You're in a confused state of mind. You're in a bewildered state in your life where you don't know where God is at. Once you know there is deliverance for the confused mind here this evening. Let me go on and I'll preach here in a few minutes. God is a God of deliberate action. Prayer is the only cure for a confused mind in every weary soul and broken heart. The great preacher Samuel Chadwick said this, one of the greatest tragedies in our life is whenever we enter the state of confusion. And whenever we're in the state of confusion, listen to this now, the inevitable results, whenever wisdom and resources of the world are substituted for the presence and power of the Holy Ghost. Could it be tonight the reason that you're in a confused state is because you have substituted man's wisdom for God's wisdom? I know this is going out on air, so be it. One of the main problems in our holiness movement is because we have put so much emphasis on the emotional part of it. And you have a few services a week, and I love a good shouting service. But let me tell you, brother, when the shout's gone, the word still be here. And the reason that I think we're losing so many, especially of our young people, is because you put more emphasis on shouting and feeling good and now there's no really revivals to go to. Well, come the tabernacle. It seems like we're always having revival down here. Not any camp meetings to go to. Not any youth camps to go to. To feel good. To get a pump up. Brother, we've got to get back to the Word. Brother, preach doctrine from behind the desk. Preach doctrine. That's more good preaching right there. Let me say, I'm glad I come to church. Now, I, didn't realize I was going to get into all this this evening. Richlands Tabernacle is a strong church. You're a strong church because you have had strong preaching behind this desk. Eighty plus years of strong doctrinal teaching preaching and you've carried on the same traditions that you had 80 years ago and do you know what this world is looking for they're needing what you've got 
Boy, I'm just feeling confusion and mistakes come when we forget about the importance of God's word as our unwavering guidance. That leads me to the text this evening, Psalms 42 and 1. As the heart panteth after the water brook. As the deer is panting after the water brook. So panteth my soul after thee, O God. What is going on here in this man's life that he is he's panting? And the only picture that he can draw is that of a deer. He goes to the brook every day to get a drink of water after running up and down the mountains and through, and through the fields. And he's thirsty and he's looking for something to quench his thirst. He runs back to that brook. But now that brook has ran dry. And as that deer is panting for breath and looking for something to quench his thirst with. It's nowhere to be found. In verse number 2. The answer, the answer is here. My soul thirsteth. Thirsteth for God, for the living God. My soul is thirsting for God. I don't know about you, but I think we need to get a thirst back for the things of God. We need to be thirsty for God. We thirst after pleasures. And we thirst after making more money. And we thirst after tearing down barns to build greater ones. But God says the greatest thirst is to have a thirst for me. My soul is thirsty for you, O God. When shall I come and appear before God? He had went to that brook several times. And that brook... Blossom with water and, and he could go there and get a drink. But now, God's nowhere to be found. Look at verse number three. My tears have been my meat day and night. And they're speaking something unto me. I want to talk to you this evening. I want to talk to you this evening if God would help me. Because we can enter this state like this man was in and we can, we can become disrupted, disrupted. You know what this, this, this COVID business has done to our livelihoods? It's disrupted us. It's disrupted us. Whenever the workforce in the state of Kentucky, 46% of the state workforce is drawing something from the government, brother. It's disrupted our lives. States are on the verge of going bankrupt. Governments are out of control and are out of money. Printing more money. You put $3 trillion in a society, guess what's going to happen? I love what Milton Friedman said years ago. He said, when the government prints more money, it causes inflation. And I love his definition of what inflation was. He said, inflation is a tax on the poor. Created by the government. Our daily lives have been disrupted by all of this. And we go back to that brook looking for a drink of water. And it's not there. This man becomes disrupted in his livelihood. In verse, in verse uh, number four, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude. 
What this guy is saying is, I was one time going to church. I was one time numbered amongst those that came inside of the tabernacle. I remember what it was when they sang with joy. I remember what it was whenever you could just reach up and seemingly pull down the stars of the heaven. I remember what it was whenever we would have revival and prayers being answered over here and prayers being answered over there. But now, there's no water to be found and I'm thirsty. Disrupted in our lives. Confusion sets in. Not only is this guy disrupted, but he becomes disillusioned. He becomes disillusioned. Look at, look, at, look at the text in verse number 3. My tears, my tears have been my breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day. If that's not bad enough, his tears are telling him every time one drops from this eyelid and one drops from this eyelid falls down on that plate in front of him of emptiness with every drop of every tear it's saying where is your God at now? Where is your God at today? Saying where where is where is God at now? I'd gone out with the multitude I went with them to the house of God I remember what it was to have the voice of joy and praise I remember what it was to keep the holy day. I remember what it was to be there numbered amongst the multitude. But now there's no water that's running. Now there's no multitude going to church. I'm telling you, this 42nd chapter of Psalms is exactly where we're at in 2020. It's exactly where we're at. We once gathered in great multitudes of people, but now... Nowhere to be found is the voice of singing, is the voice of joy. Nowhere to be found is the water brook and the deer runs and pants looking for more water. But no water. And asking the question, where is thy God? Where is thy God? Let me tell you something, brother and sister. Your heart will play tricks on you. And your heart will talk to you. I think the reason that so many backslide and leave the house of God is because they get to listen to their heart more than they get to listen to God. This man's heart is talking to him and saying, where is your God at now? Where is your God at now? Disrupted, disillusioned, no faith. No belief, no hope anywhere to be found. And now, and now, Thomas, numbered amongst the twelve, the rest of them come with the news. The master is not dead, but he's risen from the grave. Thomas, let's go out to see him. You remember what Thomas does? We harp on Thomas a lot for being doubting Thomas. And I know that we should not doubt God. I know we should have faith in God. But God knows we are human and we will have our doubts.
How many here this season would throw up another hand and say, I have doubted God at times. Every one of you in this building have doubted the word of God at times. And God does not come to Thomas and beat him over the head with a baseball bat. He does not come to Thomas and scorn him for his unbelief. But Jesus accommodates Thomas even in his doubts. And shows up passing through the walls. Does it need a front door entrance or the red carpet laid out in front of him? But walks up next to Thomas and says, Thomas, I am the man. Has God ever showed up in your life when you say, I need somebody? And it says, I'm the man. You need to help me a few minutes and I'll get done quick. But we hear it said so many times. And I love it. I love it. Whenever somebody says, uh, hey, David, uh, say, I've got a problem with this car or that car. I don't know anything much about engines. I'm doing good to put oil in a car. Luckily, I drive Toyotas, put a little oil in them, Brother Randy, and a little gas, they go forever. I'm driving a Chevrolet, and I'm a little bit worried about it right now. But I love telling them, Brother Randall, I know a guy. You ever have people say that? Oh, I'm sure you know a guy. Let me tell you, brother and sister, I know a man. I know someone that can walk into the state of confusion and into a world of doubt and say, Thomas, I know you've doubted me, but put your hand into my hand and I'll show you I am God and you can hope in me. remembered what it was like to go to church I remembered the voice of singing I remembered the voice of joy but there's nobody singing and there's no song left to be sung I need the man I need a miracle I tell you I was reading here the other day of a uh, there was a baseball player There was a baseball player by the name of Bob Stanley. He was a pitcher for the 86 Red Sox. Red Sox took on the New York Mets in the 86 World Series. Bob Stanley was standing out there on the mound, one out away from bringing a World Series title back to the city of Boston. Bob Stanley stood there that day, Brother Philip, and he said, God, if you are real... If you are who you say you are, would you please give me this one out and I promise you I'll be a better man. That's the prayer that he prayed. The next pitch he threw was a wild pitch. The runner advanced to home plate, scored the tying run. The next pitch that he threw was a base hit. That brought the winning run to home plate. The Red Sox lost. And Bob Stanley became bitter at God. Said, I don't believe in God. God ain't real. 
I've prayed to him, but God's nowhere around. A few years later, he had a child by the name of Kyle. Kyle Stanley was a little boy, about four years old. And he developed leukemia and was at death's door. Bob Stanley said, I denounced God. I didn't want anything to do with God. But whenever you're staring death right in the face, you need a God. How many knows we need a God? He said, I decided to ask God in my bitterness, God, would you heal my boy? You're the only hope that I've got left. Wouldn't you know that God healed that child? And Bob Stanley went on to write and said, God might not let you win the World Series, but what He will do is give you a miracle that really, really matters. I want you to know God might not give you a miracle of a million dollars, but what He will do is give you something that really matters. Why is your soul cast down? God will give you something that will really matter when it matters the most. Feeling, Feeling looser in this house tonight. Come on church, let's worship God right here. He'll give you a miracle when it really, really matters. The psalmist says... There's no voice of singing. There's no multitude to go to church with. There's no one to lift me up out of these sorrows. And he asks himself the question after he pours his soul out within himself. You see up until verse number 5. His heart was doing all the talking. But what needs to happen to you tonight is you need to talk back to your heart and say, Heart, why is my soul cast down? Hope thou in God. What was he doing, Brother James? He was fighting back. He was clawing his way out of the cage of despair, out of the cage of of confusion. And God was about to Give him a miracle when it really mattered. Why art thou cast down, oh my soul? Hope. Let me tell you what you need to do when your soul's cast down. Just shout the word hope. Hope in God. There's not much hope in this next election, but there is hope in God. I don't know what the RNC is going to do. I got a hunch it's going to be a lot better than them crazy guys last week. Socialists, fascists, and heading toward communism. I don't know what's going to happen with the DNC or the RNC. But if I could speak on the stage of the Republican National Convention tonight, I'd tell them, why is your soul cast down? Hope in God. Your life might be like this. Look it up in the dictionary. Webster's. I like the 1828 version myself. 
Look at the word worse. W-O-R-S-E. Worse. What comes between the word worse and worst with a T at the end of it? Worship. There's a word, Brother Nick, between the worst going to worst, and it's the word that disrupts confusion in our lives. Whenever we begin to worship and say, I'm going to hope in God that the rivers of living water will flow here again and I'll drink of it and we'll go to church again with singing and with gladness. Things begin to change when we begin to worship. Come on, church worship. Come on, church worship. Come on, church worship. Hallelujah. Look at this. Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise Him for the help of His countenance. You know how some of you come to church sometimes? You know what that word countenance is? It really means face. It's what it literally means is face. Whenever you come to church, you've got one of these. It's your countenance. Well, I wonder how they're doing spiritually. Boy, you can tell they are really, really prayer warriors. Kind of make weird noises like a dying cat or something, you know, whenever you talk to them. Got a great countenance. Great look on their face. Let me tell you how to lift that countenance of yours. Is whenever you look at his countenance. Hope thou in God. For I shall yet worship, I shall yet praise Him for the help of His countenance. Who was it? Uh, John David. John David, anywhere in the building tonight? John David was talking today about going to the zoo and seeing a hippopotamus. One of my favorite animals when I was a little boy was the giraffe. I was always mesmerized. How many? Do we have any giraffe fans here tonight? Any giraffe they are super, super cool creatures. They really are. Really, really cool creatures. That giraffe always would just amaze me because they had to build a special building for him. I mean, he had a, probably like a really, really nice long bed. I can kind of relate to that sometimes, you know, because they make beds for like, you know, people that are six foot and below, and I'm six foot four. I can relate to the giraffe. Really, big old long neck. I got to read about that giraffe. That giraffe cannot hold his head down for more than 25 seconds. Or he will start to lose 
feeling throughout his neck, lose his vision, and then die if you hold the giraffe's head down for too long. And I tell you, there's some of you that's about to die because your head has been held down for too long. Some of you that's losing the vision of what God is about to do because your head has been hanging low. Help me preach a few moments here tonight. Your head and your countenance has been hanging low, Brother Randall. So low that you can't see the tops of the trees, Brother James. And the footprints of the angels that's beginning to march. Marching in. You can't see it because your head is hanging low. But God said, look up. Lift up your head. I am the lifter up. Of your head. I feel like fighting the devil tonight. Highball to highball. I don't feel like fighting the devil like this. You'll run into everything, you'll run your way right out of church. Fighting the devil with your head. Get your head up. Square your shoulders back. And say, I am more than a conqueror through him that lifts up my head. Let me tell you what happens when God, when we get our eyes focused on his countenance. My soul has been cast down within me. But I'll remember him. Deep calleth unto deep. The Lord will command his loving kindness. In the daytime and also in the night. He replaces his tears. that say where is thy God. To his loving kindness morning, noon and night. You know what would do you better. Than carrying around them old rocks in your pocket. That's weighing you down. Is put some of the word of God in there. And when you need it, take it out and feed yourself with the loving kindness of our God. Thy loving kindness day and night. The, my, his song shall be with me. My prayer unto the God of life. I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? But listen, but listen, when the book comes down to the 11th verse, he says for the third time, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? But one more time, he says, Hope in God. Come on, church. Hope in God. You're not going to die because there's hope in God. You're not going to be defeated because there's hope in my God. In verse number 5, 
He talked about the help of God's countenance. But when he got to worshiping and talking about the good things of God. And got to hoping in God. He said, who is the health of my countenance? When you start talking about how beautiful the face of our God is. God will start making your face healthy and beautiful as well. You ever read the book, Brother Philip, the heavenly man, Brother Yun? He was a, he's a Chinese preacher, evangelist now from the 1980s and 90s. Go ahead and get us a song. Y'all come on. Brother Yun, his biography is called The Heavenly Man. Brother Yun started underground churches all over China. Became a very powerful preacher in establishing churches there throughout communist China and the underground. I don't know which way this country is heading. But I want to tell you, I'm still thankful that we're allowed to assemble in this building tonight. We might not get to shake hands much. We might not get a, you know, fellowship like we normally do. But I'm still thankful we're allowed to come in here with the doors open. Folks, if you're outside listening to me, this is the best place to be at in here. Communist China, he established churches everywhere. The authorities was always on his trail. They couldn't hardly find him. But they got a picture of him and put his face up on billboards all over China. With these words underneath of it, most wanted. Some of his young converts said, Brother Young, we don't understand. Why are you most wanted in China? Have you done something wrong? Have you killed somebody? Are you, are you an imposter? Are you a hypocrite? Why are you the most wanted man in China? Brother Yun said, the reason that my face is up all over town and all over China and I'm the most wanted in China is because I'm not of this world. I'm a heavenly man. I'd rather have a heavenly man than a carnal man. Give me 15 or 20 or 30 Brother Ralph Hortons over some carnal preacher. Give me 50 Brother Philip Hortons than some carnal preacher. Give us a little bit of heaven on earth. Brother Neil, if you're listening, give us a hundred Brother Neils. Give us a heavenly man to speak to us. Authorities caught up with Brother Young and they locked him in prison. One of the highest security prisons, Brother Jason, in all of China. Locked him up there behind bars. And Brother Young was becoming very, very weary in his faith. Wondering how in the world am I ever going to get out of this? God, are you really who you say you are? In a confused and bewildered state. Brother Young was worried if he would ever see the light of day again. His prison guards, in order to taunt him, threw a Bible inside of his, I think it was a seven by seven jail cell. Threw a Bible in there to taunt him and say, Now go preach to the underground. You have no one to preach to. That night, Brother Young looked at that Bible and just picked it up and let it fall open. You ever do this before? Lord, I need a word from you. And you just open the Bible and see where it falls. Sometimes it happens to me like whenever I need a word from God and it just goes to all these 
so-and-sos and so-and-sos and so-and-sos. And and God's telling me, you need to go to sleep, David. Common sense, praise God. we got the Holy Ghost, but we've also got mouthwashing common sense. Hallelujah. So he decided, I'm going to open that Bible and see where the page lands. Landed Revelation chapter number 3 in verse number 8 where Jesus speaks to one of the churches and says, I set before thee an open door that no man can shut. I set before thee an open door which no man can shut. He thought, God, that's good news. Laid down and went to sleep. But during his sleep, Brother Roger, he was awakened by the Holy Ghost. And when he opened his eyes, the prison door was opened. The prison door was opened. The prison door was open. And Brother Young walked out of that prison past all of those security guards and was never stopped. And I tell you, why art thou cast down, O my soul? The door just opened. I said the door just opened. Come on, church, stand on your feet. A door just opened. What's Rush Limbaugh call them? The Chai Coms. Chinese communists for short. The Chai Coms was so outraged about Brother Yun going back on the streets, starting up churches here and there, and they would hear about it. Decided to do an investigation of how in the world did this guy escape from our prison? That's a maximum security prison. How did he get out of there? And the communists of China said, There was no human hand that assisted this man in his escape. He must have had a divine intervention. I see a door that's opened. And it says, lift up your head. It's time to fight back. It's time to press forward. There's a door. Let's go, saints. There's a door. Let's go, saints. Lift your hands all over the house. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. I have hope. I have hope. Yes, I have hope that the sun shines brighter in my land. Walk my faith, I reach my goal. Over the hills to the Over the hills, see the light of the moon. The brother, the crowd is the one I am for. I think that's 
eyes are fixed on mansions, very glory lies. Hey, if you want to make it to the pearly gates, turn to the right and keep it going straight. I'm a journey then. Whoa. 